Welcome to Fireside Nets with Spen and Nick, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen. He's my little brother, Nick. And if Nick isn't making a ton of sense tonight, it's possibly because he's slightly concussed. Can you please elaborate to our listeners on what I'm talking about? Yes. What? Yes. Do you want me to repeat the question? No, I got it. Uh, I got it now. Um, I hit my head uh, really hard while cleaning my basement after me and my roommates had a paper towel fight. Uh, I won't get into the dirty, dirty deets, um, but let's just say those paper towels are dirtier than we were when we bought them. How old are you guys again? Old enough to have a paper towel fight unsupervised. So 26? I'm 25. Thanks for knowing your brother's age, though. Whatever. I forget. You're the one with the Spongebob hat, you idiot. Yeah, because it's dope on me. Same with the sunglasses. Spongebob hat and sunglasses. This is my look, okay? Also, who wears sunglasses inside? That's bad for your eyes. I wear my sunglasses at night. That's not, is that a Katy Perry song? No, it's like an old song, I think. I don't know. It's, it's for old timers listening. Are you ready to get into some Nets talk, man? I am, but I think you should raise your volume a little more. All right, so we got to start with the elephant in the room. What's going on with Kyrie Irving? Um, I don't want to poke fun at the situation at all. I said this to you before we started recording because we have no idea what's happening. I mean, the man could be going through something, something with a close you know, family member or friend. Um, he could feel upset about what's going on in, in the country. With, That's with what I'm hearing. Those are the, I'm, I'm hearing it's, it has to do with Capitol again, Those are the rumors, right? Like, we don't know. Um, and again, like, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk here, but for all we know, he could just be taking some, some days because he wants, you know, for his mental health, right? Like we, we've all taken mental health days at work. I guess the problem is without knowing it's hard for us to, to, you know, understand and kind of give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation. Um, I don't, again, I don't want to trash him. I don't think, I don't think it's worth it for us to sit here on this podcast and say, what is he doing? He's paid millions of dollars to play a child's game. Like, I, I hate that that line it's such a lazy line it takes no a child's game yeah i mean basketball like you ever see oh you're 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 paid millions of dollars to play a children's sport or something along those lines first of all i don't think basketball is a children's sport second of all i i'm gonna trash him because this is bullshit if it was something that happened with his family or, or health reasons of course absolutely that's 100 okay i feel like we would know about that if someone passed like maybe we don't and i want to assume that's not it but if you're telling me that he needs just some time off for his mental health or he just needs some time because he's upset about Capitol Hill. We're all fucking upset about it, dude. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what it's like to be, um, you know, a minority or someone who's really suffered. I'm not going to sit here and say I could sympathize with that because I can't. But what I can say is there's hundreds of thousands of people out there, if not millions, who are suffering as well, but who have to go to work because they have to support their families, who don't have the luxury of just deciding you want to take some time off because you can. But even with that said, his job is important. Yes, he's a professional athlete. I won't call it a children's game. It's an adult basketball league and everybody and their mother wishes they could be in it. But my point is he has a responsibility to his team to not do this shit, to be strong enough to get over it. Okay. When Kobe passed away, hundred percent understandable reason to take time off. 
that was like absolutely 100% heartbreaking. They had a personal relationship. It was a friend of his who also happened to be one of the best basketball players of all time. Okay. But if you're upset about politics, so is everybody else, but they're going through it. What makes you so special? Why do you get the Kyrie treatment? You know what happened when Kyrie was like out for undisclosed reasons? My roommate who's a Celtics fan, one of my best friends in Boston who's a Celtics fan, called me and said, I told you you would regret having Kyrie in your team. I told you he was more of a headache and a drama than he brought, than he brought any promising victories to the team. This is what he does. Okay. He creates this little personal bubble where it's only about Kyrie, where you never really know what he's doing and you never really know what he's thinking. Cause to him, that may be called like privacy and, 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 you know, his, what he deserves as a, a primetime talented basketball player, but we deserve as fans, what the league deserves, what his teammates deserve most of all is the person who made the commitment to this team over, you know, some petty feelings. He might need to like take a break and drink some water and have a beer. Fine. We've all been there, but like put your fucking Jersey on. If you're not going to tell me someone's dying or have died, or you are, are suffering from sort of some sort of illness, then go out and play basketball. Shit. We're getting pretty deep here early on in fireside nets tonight. Um, I, I disagree with you again. I I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt because we, he hasn't said a word to anybody, but at the same time, uh, with, with that token of not knowing, I'm not going to trash him. There, there's no point. I mean, this he's going to come back when he's ready to play. So what if any? So what are you what are you setting that precedent then? Any NBA player who sometimes feels a little down should have the ability to just sit a couple weeks out. During this time, over the course of the last year, you've seen guys opt out of playing professional basketball, playing professional football. They made that decision. Kyrie chose to play. Right now, he feels that it's in his best interest to take a seat and not play. And until I understand why, I'm not going to say anything negative towards him. I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I've said that a hundred times already on this podcast and say, you know what? He, he's going through something because I don't know. But at the same time, I'm not going to trash him. That's just me. Now, why won't he? And I also understand, like, I'm not saying you have responsibility to tell the media and your fans everything about you, what's going on in your personal life. But you can't give Steve Nash or KD a little insight. Steve Nash, I mean, who, who just took over the team, is going up in front of press saying, I'm sorry, I just took over this team of stars and I have no idea where one of my players is. Isn't that a little disrespectful to Nash? So, so that's the tough thing, right? So um, while I'm not going to go at Kyrie for why he's not playing, the lack of communication between him and um, – but again, I've heard that he's texted with Levert. I read that him and Nash had a private conversation. So I'm not sure where you're getting your reports. I'm told that they're keeping everything in house and more or less his teammates know that, you know, if they don't know why he's gone, they understand why he's gone right now. And Nash has had private conversations with him. They have communicated. It's I understand Kyrie's AWOL, but he's not AWOL in the sense that he hasn't spoken to a single person in the organization. No, I understand that. I'm, I'm reading the New York Post article uh, about how sources close to Kyrie say it has to do with Capitol Hill. Steve Nash says he doesn't have an update. KD says he's praying for him. Listen, again, I could never sympathize with what it's like uh, to be in his shoes or to be in anyone's shoes watching this happen because I've been, I've been privileged during my life. I'm, 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 I can't deny that. But what I will say is maybe this is coming from a place of frustration that all this hype happened. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like we're kind of falling apart and we'll, we'll get into the games. But, you know, Okay, I, I don't, again, I don't want to assume that this is petty. I don't want to assume that he could easily get over it because obviously he cannot. So I don't want to shit on Kyrie. I don't want to throw any shade, but it's a little frustrating as a diehard Nets fan and on this Nets podcast, who every week we want to see our team in full throttle come out and play after so much hype in the season, after so many injuries, after so many trades, it's a little frustrating that 
again, with a grain of salt, he would let this impact him enough to miss multiple games. I want to clarify something you said earlier. You said everyone and their mother wishes that they can play in the NBA. I'm going to tell you, Nick, I don't think that our mom, Randy, would have any desire to play in the National Basketball Association. She loves being a teacher. She's been a teacher for 30 years now. Shout out to all the women and men and everybody teaching out there. I appreciate you. I respect you. And, and you're the people who are shaping our youth today. So shout out to all the teachers out there, including my mom, who you mistakenly said would want to play in the NBA if given the opportunity. All right. That's a great segue into a stupid conversation. Uh, can we get to the games already or what? No, we got to talk about the Nets throwback 90s uniforms first. What do you think? Uh, they're How pretty do- fire. They're fire. Dude, they were so cool. I think my roommate Eric's going to buy a Joe Harris one. Oh, my God. Like, I, once they, so when, they, when did they bring them out? Was it against the Sixers or the Jazz? It was definitely against the Sixers. I think the Sixers might have been the first game because they've won in the last few games. But yeah, it's been at least three or four games. It just, it just brings me back to those days with Kenny Anderson, former guest on the podcast, Derek Coleman, future guest on the podcast. Um, R.I.P. Drazen Petrovic. The late, great Drazen Petrovic. R.I.P. He was fantastic. And um, it just brought me back. And watching those guys ball out in those old 90s uniforms, especially Jared Allen. Like, I think his uniform popped the most because he's the guy throwing down the ferocious dunks, grabbing rebounds, making plays. Um, he's actually my Brooklyn net of the week from last week, Nick. Jared Allen. I, I will 100% support that. Before we move on to Jared Allen in these games, uh, just one more thing on the jerseys. It's also the nostalgia factor, right? Like, like you said, 90s. But I think it just reminds us of New Jersey. Though that that red color bringing us back to those those early two thousands games, oh man, there's something magical about those memories. Nostalgia is a funny word because I think of nost and I think of nostril, right? Like nostril, like your nose. And then you hear the word nostalgia, and the first word that comes to my mind is nose. But it has nothing to do with the nose. It, it's nostalgia is a completely separate entity than the nostril. I've never once said nostalgia and thought of nostril. Okay, let's move on. After 11 games, the Nets are a very disappointing 5-6. and six. They've lost two straight games to the Grizzlies and Thunder. Before that, they had won two straight games against the Jazz and the 76ers. We're going to go over every single game from last week, but let's start. Briefly. With, briefly. Let's start with the loss against the Thunder on Sunday night. 129 to 116. The Nets let OKC shoot 54% from the field. The Thunder scored 37 points in the third quarter, and the Nets wasted a 36-point effort from Kevin Durant in a loss with no Kyrie Irving. So I want to start with this game. What did you see? Uh, what I, I know they, they were pretty much up for the first half. and they were, up, they were up 15 points in the second quarter, the Nets were. Something happened in that third quarter where the Nets scored less than 20, the Thunder put up 37, and that was pretty much all she wrote. Um, what did you see watching this game? What were some of your takeaways? Well, I agree with Steve Nash. There was a lack of pride. It was like, we're up 15. We're the Brooklyn Nets. We're the, we're the dogs now. And now we could slack off on defense against this young, inexperienced Thunder team. Okay. So I'll say one, agree with Steve Nash. It was a lack of pride, a lack of defense. Um, and like Steve Nash said, a lack of respect for the game. Okay. Playing defense is just as important as playing offense. I don't have to tell any athlete out there that they know that that's ingrained in them. It's competitive nature. So when I see Nets players slacking off, when I say KD not stepping up, when I see Jared Allen putting his arms up because someone's not helping out on D, that's that's shitty teamwork, 
that's bad chemistry and you're just leaving your, 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 your guys out there to dry. And that's not how you build an organization. That's not how you win games. So that's my first point. The second point, I'll, I will say no Kyrie, uh, as I know you'll talk about in the future, as a big impact on this team. Okay. You're putting a lot of weight on Levert, Shamit, and Joe Harris. You're putting a lot of pressure on them to hit their open shots. Kyrie creates those open shots for them. Kyrie takes the pressure off of the game relying on those guards. With, and like, you know, like we said with Levert, Pass, you know, he had that 43-point game. He's had these huge outbursts. You know, I just also don't see why he's still taking such volume shots. I don't see why he's taking so many – and I know you're going to whip out a crazy stat how he hits a lot of uh, uh, well-contested shots, but why is he taking so many contested shots? So this is something I saw at the end of the last two losses with – who was it, the Thunder and the Grizzlies, where instead of working the ball around, looking for an open shot, creating for Jallard Allen or DeAndre Jordan, Levert is just chucking up an elbow jumper with a guy in his face, 20 seconds left in the shot clock. So that's number two for me. And no Kyrie and pressure on Levert and uh, uh, underperformance by Levert. And the last thing I'll say is um, the Thunder – did not miss. All right, we have to give a little credit where credit's due. We shot 50%. The Thunder shot almost 55%. When you have Hamadou Diallo scoring 25, when you have Isaiah Roby 13, Gildas Alexander 31, Horford, who couldn't hit a shot last year on the Sixers, is now scoring 22, hit like two or three open threes. Luguentz Dort 13. I mean, the Rockets weren't even covering Luguentz Dort last year because his shooting was worse than our moms, who you said wouldn't even want to be in the NBA. So a lot of factors came into play here. Um, the biggest ones to me were just a lack of pride uh, and, and a lot of momentum and uh, streaky shooting by the Thunder, which ended up benefiting them in the long run. It was They worked harder than us. These guys wanted it more. That's what it came down to to me. What frustrated me most about this game is you got 36 points from Kevin Durant. He shot 11 of 21 from the field. He had 11 rebounds, and you still lost this game by 13 points. Um, if I'm a Nets fan, that worries me. Because Durant's out here, he's given it his all against his former team. He's putting up almost 40 points, and the rest of the team is not doing anything to help him. I, I mean, nobody – Jared Allen did his thing with 15 and 10. Lavert had 21. But, again, that's 21 on 8 of 17 from the field. Those aren't great numbers. That's a little less than, than 50%. Um, Torian Prince off the bench with 11 points, five of seven from the field. We're going to get into him later on in the show, but look, offensively 116 points. You put that up on a nightly basis. If you do your job on defense, you're going to win. They did not do their job. And if I'm, if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm super annoyed with that. Um, so let, let's move on to the Grizzlies game. Uh, the game before that thunder game, they were without Durant. He was still um, in COVID-19 quarantine protocol, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they they lost again to the Grizzlies, so that's their second loss of the year. Who again and did not have John Morant? Who did not have John Morant? So they got they got swept by the Grizzlies. I don't know if they play again, but they lost one fifteen to one ten. Uh, this was a really weird game, Nick. Levert went for forty three points, but the killer was Steve Nash had DeAndre Jordan in this game over Jared Allen late in the fourth quarter, and it cost them. I mean, it was, it was a weird sequence. So, you know, it was like – it was a close game. It was, it was a two- or three-point game. Maybe the Grizzlies were up a little bit. I know the Nets took the lead at one point in the fourth, and there was a foul with about four minutes left, and everyone and their mother, including our mother, thought that Steve Nash would go ahead and put Jared Allen in. As and he should he, have. And he didn't. And Ian Eagle, even on the broadcast, says, oh, wow, this is, uh, this is interesting. They're going to stick with DeAndre Jordan at the five down the stretch. Well, in the next two minutes, the Grizzlies go up about seven points, and then Jared Allen comes into the game with two minutes left, and it's already over. It was too late. Um, 
you need your defensive anchor in there in crunch time. And it's not DeAndre Jordan. It has to be Jared Allen. The way he played against Joel Embiid the game before, the way he played against Rudy Gobert, he is a monster in the paint. And he makes a lot of better decisions than DeAndre Jordan does. So I thought that was, that was the game right there. I mean, Levert, we're not going to see 43 from Levert all the time. That was a special game on his part. I think he had 10 assists too. He was on fire. Um, and Jared Allen had a good game. But I, I just – I didn't understand – why Nash would roll with DeAndre Jordan, who clearly is not what he used to be instead of Jared Allen. What were your thoughts on this loss? Well, let's not forget that the Nets are still doubling every team they lose to in turnovers, right? We had, we had I think, 17 turnovers to Thunder's 10 and 20 turnovers to the Grizzlies' 12. So we're nearly doubling these teams in our turnover count. A lot of those are coming in crunch time. Um, but, but I agree. What I will say for Nash is his biggest challenge to be, you know, a primetime coach in the NBA is making a tough decision like pulling out a veteran for a, for a young player, for a young up and coming player who is nowhere near as established as that veteran, who is nowhere near as known and reputable in the league, but is playing at a much better rate of basketball. So I, I understand Steve Nash's hesitancy to pull someone like Deandre Jordan for Jared Allen but it was so obvious to everyone watching. And that's the second time, because forgive me if I'm wrong here, last week when we lost a game, me and you had an issue with not putting Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan, not even putting a big man on the court down the stretch. Um, and we were getting out. Was that in our other loss to the Grizzlies where we were just getting out rebounded like crazy in the last five minutes and Nash refused to put in Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan? Charlotte might've been the game you're thinking about um, where oh, my, oh, you might've been right. and Biombo just killed us. You're right. Us. It was Biombo. Yeah. But that's the second time I've seen Steve Nash dilly dally on what to do down the stretch with his big man. Oh, um, I'm sorry. It was the Wizards. The Wizards. We lost one twenty. You're right. It was Thomas Bryant. Yeah. It was yeah, Thomas yeah, Bryant. Yeah, exactly. Rui Hachimura. By the way, Thomas, Thomas Bryant prayers to him. Tore his ACL. Oh, we really, really speed really recovery. Yes. Seems like Indiana prodigy there. All right. Um, no idea. I think you went to Indiana. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to fault Steve Nash. I believe in Steve Nash. I love Steve Nash. He's learning. It's his first year. I don't think becoming player to coach that transition is as easy as one, two, three. So we'll give him the benefit of the doubt to keep learning. It's early in the season. And let's be real, dude. He's, I mean, how many freaking curveballs has his team thrown at him? With Durant going out and then no, Kyrie I, I going out. I don't want to hear that, though. This team is too talented, man. They, they're, they're too talented to give that excuse. And it's not like Nash is some bum off the street. This is one of the greatest point guards in the history of our game. Yeah, but now he has to handle personalities. You're talking about handling talent. I'm talking about handling personalities. Those are two different things. The personalities don't upset me, Nick. What upsets me is we've lost six games this year, and only two of them were blowouts. And the other four – have been very tight games. Washington, the Grizzlies twice, and Charlotte. Okay, yeah, we've all, two, that one I think we've all led at at some point. Right. The only two, two games we were blown out was against the Hawks and then last night against the Thunder. Um, that's bad, man. When, when you're losing games by a very minimal amount, there's something missing there. And I'm not going to give Nash a pass. I'm sorry. He has to be held accountable. He's not putting the guys in the right positions in the fourth quarter to close these games out. And I understand – uh, two of these games against the Grizzlies, you played without Kyrie Irvin and, and Kevin Durant. I get it. I understand. But you still have Karis LeVert. You still have Joe Harris. You still have Landry Shamit. You still have Jared Allen. On and the Grizzlies team. played without John Moran, which is the saddest part to me. The Grizzlies no played Jer without their star. No who's John not even Moran, close to our stars. 
No Jaron Jackson and Jonas mm-hmm. Valanciunas went out in the second half against the Nets, I believe. So he yeah. wasn't there either. So you are playing. I mean, look, and, and we haven't mentioned this at all this podcast, but COVID-19 is running rampant in the NBA. A lot of guys missing games, a um, little bit scary right now. Teams are having trouble uh, putting out a full roster. I think that the Sixers played with seven guys the other day. And there is a chance that this NBA season might be cut short because at some point, you, if you can't put a group of guys on the court, you can't have an NBA season. When, when you have the Lakers A team going up against, I don't know, the, the Pacers C team or something along those lines. So I, I just want to put that out there that we understand this, this COVID-19 thing sucks and it's starting to hit the NBA really hard. Um, but back to the Nets. I mean, and we're going to get into their wins because it wasn't all bad last week. With these losses, I do blame Nash. Now, the games like the Thunder and the Hawk blowout loss – those happen, right? You, like, you're going to have a letdown every few games. You're playing a lot of games, a lot of back-to-backs, it's going to happen. But in close crunch time situations, when you have guys like Karis LeVert, Kevin Durant, I'm not even going to mention Kyrie Irving's name here. You should close those games out, especially when they're the best player on the floor. So you're going to give Steve Nash shit, but you're going to give Kyrie a pass. Yes, correct. Okay, let's get to the wins. All right, first up. We have the 76ers win, which actually might have been my favorite win of the year. Um, they dominated the 76ers, 122 to 109. Last Thursday, Joe Harris with 28 points, Karis Levert with 22 and 10. Jared Allen had 15 points and 12 rebounds, but it wasn't about Allen's stats. Jared Allen shut down Joel Embiid. He made Embiid look like Nazi Muhammad from 15 years ago. It was embarrassing. Embiid looked pedestrian. And Ben Simmons was awful. He had a terrible game. Uh, I think Shake Milton led the Sixers with 24. Um, but this was great, man. I, I had this idea. I don't know if I told you, but uh, I was going to celebrate the next big win for the Nets by eating chicken wings and drinking whiskey in my bathtub. I did that. I took a video. I put it on the Fireside Nets Twitter and Instagram. And it felt great because you beat a 7-1 and Sixers team. And that was awesome. And Without everybody KD showed up. Kyrie. Without right, no KD, no Kyrie, no problem. I said that against a full, a full throttle. Uh, they, they didn't. They didn't have Seth. They didn't have Seth Curry, who's been big for them this year. All right, they got Embiid. They got Simmons. They got Tobias Harris. Right. I like Seth Curry. I'm a big Seth Curry guy. But let, let's be real. But everybody did their job, man. This was a game where everybody showed up. The hustle players were there. And what I loved about this game is the Nets took control right away in the first quarter. I mean, I know they were up at the end of the first quarter. They were up big at halftime. The 76ers never got within, I think, six points after halftime. And you love to see that. that. That's four quarters of solid basketball. We haven't really seen that a ton from the Nets, but that's why I don't give Steve Nash a pass when he loses these games to um, the Thunder or to the Grizzlies without Kyrie and KD. Because you have the potential to do what you did against Philadelphia with Karis LeVert leading the way. And Joe Harris is a fucking monster. I don't say the F word a ton of this podcast, but he's a fucking monster from the three-point line. 71 straight games in the three-pointer. I rest my case. I think I put a fire under Joe Harris's butt when I said he wasn't as good as Duncan Robinson from the three-point line before the season started. So I'm glad I got your back, Joe. I just I was doing that motivation for you. You're my dude. We're boys. We go way back. Um, and I'm glad that that, uh, that was able to get you going. Um, what I, last thing I'll say about the Sixers win is, Spen, if you look at the stats here, I mean, there's no coincidence. Every time the Nets lost this week, when they lost to the Grizzlies and the Thunder, they were out-assisted 
and had more turnovers. When they beat the Sixers, they had more assists than the 76ers did, and they had nearly half as many turnovers. And those, to me, are the numbers you see um, that attribute most to wins or losses, right? When you're passing the ball around, when you're not playing individual uh, selfish basketball, you're more likely to win. When you protect the ball, when you don't make stupid passes, you don't make careless decisions, you're more likely to win. So those two numbers are going to be really interesting to me going forward because when the ball gets distributed, when the assists are higher, and when the turnovers are lower, there's going to be a direct correlation to winning more basketball games. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and by the way, just going back to the scoring numbers, they put up 28 in the first quarter. The Sixers scored 26. I remember because the Sixers went on a late run to kind of uh, minimize that gap. But in the second quarter, the Nets put up 37. The Sixers put up 25, and the game was essentially over. If you're the Nets and you get off the hot starts like that, you're, it's going to be a lot easier, especially so you don't put yourselves in these crunch time situations without KD or Kyrie like you did against the Grizzlies. Um, earlier this week all right and our final win this is how we started the week and it was such a great start to the week this was on tuesday night right after our podcast aired that morning we beat the jazz 130 to 96 this was the last time Kyrie irvin played basketball he was fantastic 29 points he could not miss i think he started eight of eight from the field Jared Allen had 19 points and 18 rebounds. And he, again, shut down an all-star center in Rudy Gobert. So it was Embiid the next night uh, on Thursday. He shut down Gobert on Tuesday. Levert had 24 points. No KD for that game. But this is why we as fans have so much trouble with the off-the-court Kyrie Irving stuff. Because when he's on the court, Nick, he is a top three, if not the best point guard in this league. And he showed it on Tuesday night against the Utah jazz. Doesn't matter when he's off the court though. Um, what I will say though, is I was, I was more impressed with this Sixers game than I was with the jazz game, to be honest, like the jazz are just kind of a slow team. Like they can't keep up with our speed and our, and our talent. I mean, you got Rudy Gobert. looks like he's taken like 18 second strides out there. Uh, Bogdanovich is a slower player. You got uh, uh, Mike Conley, who's getting older. I mean, the only one on the court who could really compete with us was Donovan Mitchell, and he's not going to be doing what he did in the bubble every game uh, against a good team like we have. So less impressive of a win. I think the Jazz, as soon as they start getting cold, the team got cold pretty quickly. Uh, they couldn't keep up with us on offense. They do not have a great fast break transition game. So, yes, it was cool to see, uh, especially Jared Allen, absolutely dominate in this game. That's what we've been waiting for all season, what we predicted would happen this season. And you're seeing his minutes in this Jazz game, 32 minutes compared to DeAndre Jordan's nine. So Steve Nash is starting to listen to us as well, as well as Nets Nation. So a lot of promising things here. Uh, I need to see it done against better teams, and I need to see it done on a more consistent basis because it's fantastic to beat the Jazz by 34 but if you lose to a Grizzlies team without their two best players and then you lose to a Thunder team that doesn't even have a potential all-star on their team, unless you consider Lou Gwens Dort uh, the defensive player of the year, then uh, I'm not going to get too excited over a, a one blowout victory. Oh, God. There's so many things racing through my mind right now. First of all, you dismissing the Utah Jazz is not a good basketball team. They're a playoff hey, whoa, team. Whoa, whoa. I did not say uh, not a good basketball team, but they're bottom tier playoff West. And honestly, they might not even make the playoffs this year. Because look at them. Who are they getting strong on by? You have the Suns, who are going to be top in the West, who didn't make the playoffs last year. You have the Blazers, who I think are overall more streaky in a good way, more, more likely to, to go on a win streak than the Jazz. I honestly think Donovan Mitchell should go elsewhere. Um, <laughs> that's, he's, he's not going anywhere. But here's what I loved about this game, Nick. 
First quarter, Nets put up 35. They held the Jazz to 14. Second quarter, Nets put up 28. Third quarter, 35 again. And fourth quarter, 32. They put up 130 points. That's the offensive output that I love seeing from this Brooklyn Nets team. But it stems from the fact that they held the Jazz to under 100 points. This Nets team is capable of playing awesome defense. And in that game against OKC, you heard what Nash said. It was a pride thing. When they don't want to play defense, they lose. When they do want to play defense, they win, and they win by a lot. So it's just amazing how cold and hot this team has been. They're five and six. They can easily be seven and and four. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's, the first 11 games have been bullshit. And I'm just – I'm hoping that – okay, A, Kyrie Irvin comes back. I think we're all hoping that, but – let's not hold our breath because he's obviously missing this game against Denver. We don't know about the game on Wednesday against New York. Um, But even without Kyrie, this team should be handling their business against 90% of the other NBA teams in the league outside of the Clippers, the Lakers. Uh, That's pretty much it. That's as far as I'll go. No, I'm with you. Um, All right. So we get to our next segment. It is called fresh or foul. I'm going to say a statement. You tell me if it's fresh and you roll with it, or if it's foul, it's like rotten milk and you want to throw it in the dumpster. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm not super uh, ecstatic with these two words that we're using here, but I'll play along. It's foul, like it's hurting your nostalgia in your nose. It's like Mrs. Foul from uh, Jimmy Neutron. There you go. Kyrie Irving is a more valuable piece on this team than Kevin Durant. Fresh foul. or foul? foul? Foul, it's a stupid, stupid statement. How? Because KD is a top five player in the league. I understand that, but they won. Do you ever see KD pull up from three with like a guy literally like covering his eyes and kicking him in the nuts? He does not miss. I I guess the difference is like, you know what you're going to get from KD every single night, right? He's putting up 25 to 35 points a game. He is going to hit all his shots. With Kyrie, when he plays like he did against Utah, it lifts everybody else on the team up. And that's what I loved about that win. Guys like Karras were more motivated. Uh, Torian Prince was more motivated. TLC, um, Shamit. It just, I don't know. I feel like Kyrie is low-key sort of the emotional leader on this team. And I think a huge reason they've been struggling, it's not because of his absence on the court. I think it's just because of his absence in general. I think he means so much to this team that without him, it's almost like, you know, a, a piece is missing. Whereas Durant, yeah, Durant is a top five score in the league top five player in the league you know he's he's an animal like mvp candidate um you name it but you know what you're gonna get from him he's not the most emotional player in the world he's not from this area he did not play on this team last year and i don't know for some reason i think it's a valid argument one can make that kyrie irving is slightly more important to what this team does than kevin durant I mean, it seems like it's easier for Kyrie to just not play and hurt the team more than Durant. So if you mean he has more of a negative impact when he's not on the court, sure. Next question. Joe Harris coming off the bench is a good thing for this team right now. Fresh or foul? Fresh. Why? Joe Harris is the fucking man. And if he needs to come in with some motivation to, to provide a spark off the bench – and that's what drives him to come in and say, oh, I'm getting mine. I'm now the – I'm Levert's on the court starting. Now I'm the dude going to leave the second unit and get mine, get my buckets. Dude, it's that Lou Will vibe, that Jamal Crawford, that Lamar Odom. Put me in when you're ready for me to come off, and I will just fucking pop off. 
It's interesting. They've been giving TLC, Torian Prince. Uh, they've been mixing up some starting lineups. I, I loved when Bruce Brown was in there. We didn't mention that, but Bruce Brown started against Utah. He started against Philly, and he was great. He, he provided this defensive energy, this boost um, that you didn't get in those losses against uh, Charlotte and Atlanta. Um, but, you no, know, Joe Harris has been great. He's been coming in off the bench. He, he's been giving guys blows, and he's been hitting his threes, and that's all you can ask from the guy. I think that the Nets can get off to a slightly hotter start when he comes off the bench just because he's not as athletic as, you know, 95% of the rest of the team um, on defense, I mean. But I'm fine with it. I, I, I like him coming off the bench. I, I agree with you. I think he can be like a sixth man of the year candidate, kind of what we thought Karras was going to be. I think he can be that guy. Speaking of Karras Levert, Karis Levert should be able to win games as the one or two option when KD and Kyrie are out, fresh or foul. I mean, it's fresh because he should. Keyword being should there, right? Theoretically, he has the talent and the capability of doing so. I will say him starting Levert seems to be uh, uh, the fire in his ass he needed because it seems like now he feels like he's earned his spot. I don't know if he, if he felt like too much pressure coming off the bench, if he was kind of bitter coming off the bench and he was hucking him. He's still shooting a lot, a little more than I would like, but it seems like the right thing for him. Um, yes, he should be able to win games. To me, it's a basketball IQ. I think Levert has all of the resources, the tools, um, and, and just the raw talent to be a superstar. But it's the IQ and it's the decision-making and it's the turnovers late in game. It's the contested shots early in the shot clock. Um, if he could really fashion those out and just take his time a little more, take a deep breath um, and be a little more smart with the ball and with his shot selection, then there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to carry us past a team like the Grizzlies or the Thunder. His mid-range has been off all year. That's been the big thing with him. Uh, his three-point shot has been inconsistent. He is best when he's going to the rim, but you can't go to the rim every single play, every single game. Um, I would just like to see him get more in more of an offensive rhythm, especially when KD and Kyrie are out. Um, but he has been great. I, I mean, he's shown a good balance of scoring and playmaking, even in their losses. Uh, you just want to see him kind of take control a little bit more the way Donovan Mitchell does in Utah, um, the way that Victor Oladipo used to in Indiana and occasionally will still do. Karis LeVert has that capability to be that guy. Um, you just don't see it on a nightly basis, and, and that's the frustrating thing about him. All right, next question. Jarrett Allen has supplanted himself as a top 10 center in the league. Fresh or foul? He was by far superior to Rudy Gobert, who some consider the best defensive center in the league. Uh, maybe after AD, if you consider AD a center, or I guess you'd say AD is a four. Um, pure center is absolutely top 10. I think he's only rising. He's only getting better. Again, if he can be consistent with these double-doubles, uh, then, then yes, then 100%, then he's going to become uh, such an important factor to this team that they're not going to be able to get rid of him, that DeAndre Jordan's minutes are going to diminish, that he's going to kind of become the backbone. Um, I mean, let's be real. The future of this team, right, is Harris, Levert, and Allen. That's going to be the big three one day. If they re-sign Allen after this year, yes. Yes, yes. But well, no, you're saying Harris is going to be part of a big three? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go on. I mean, Levert's Paul Pierce, Joe Harris is Ray Allen, and Jared Allen's Kevin Garnett. Changed my mind. I'd rather not. I, I'll, let's, let's, say I, let's say I believe you. But yeah, Jared Allen's a beast, and he'll keep it going. 
you know, all Nets fans were calling for Nash to start Allen over Jordan. He finally did. And what did he do? He, he, he showed you against two of the top centers in, in the league that he can play at that level. He is deserving of a big contract this offseason. And without looking at the list, I would 100% say he's a top 10 big man in this league. Um, is he better than guys like Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, even Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid? Absolutely not. But is he in that 6 to 10 range, say, with a Miles Turner? Um, I can't think of any other really average centers in the league, but he's better than anybody on the, the – Biombo. Uh, He's better than Biombo. He's better than anybody on the Clippers. I would say he's better um, than Zubac. Okay, I don't think he's better than uh, DeAndre Ayton. I think he is. Right now, I think he's better than DeAndre Ayton, yes. Um, I think he's, he's a – yeah, I, I don't know. But, again, I'm watching him every night. I'm seeing his growth. We're, we're seeing what he does. But he's becoming a very smart player off the pick and roll. He, he goes up when he's open, and he passes when he's not. And I think that's a very underrated skill for a big man to have. Can he hit the three? Can he hit the mid-range shot? Not really. His game's pretty much within five feet of the rim. But they don't need him to. They don't need him to. Defensively, he's in their anchor. Offensively, I mean, you saw – well, we got to talk about that one play in the Utah Jazz game where Kyrie went behind the back to – was that the Sixers? I don't remember what game it was. But behind the back to Jared Allen, who one hand dunked it – for me, that was a play of the year nominee. That was incredible. Um, my final fresher foul, Nick, before we get to the end of the podcast, um, Torian Prince has redeemed himself in recent weeks and deserves all the playing time he gets. He got a little bit better. I don't hate him being on the court. He had a really nice up and under against the Thunder. That was actually beautiful. Like two people jumped. He went right in between, faked the layup high, and then reversed it to the right. Um Oh, I really don't want to say fresh. So I'm going to say uh, uh, it's in the middle for me. It's, it can go either way. Um, is this enough for me to validate Torian Prince's contract and minutes and rotation on this team? No. Is it enough for me to say I take back a little bit of my disdain and dismissiveness of Torian Prince's basketball ability? Yes. He's playing a little bit better. He's playing a little bit how I think they've, kind of trying to groom him into playing um, a somewhat aggressive uh, 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 guard, small forward who could hit an open shot every so often. So this is progress, right? I'm rooting for Torian Prince as a Nets fan, even though I've shit on him in the past. So I'm going to say this is fair. I'm not going to say it's fresh. I'm not going to say it's foul. It can go either way. Um, but I, I hope for his sake and for the Nets organization's sake, it continues. All right, there you go. Um a little what the fuck stat for you, Nick. Top defenders this season defended field goal percentage with a minimum of 100 DFGA. Karis Levert is fifth with 37.7%. So out of the 122 contested shots that people have shot against Karis Levert, only 46 have gone in. What do you think of that stat? So this is a defensive stat for Levert. Yes. Surprising. I don't know. I saw Nets Twitter uh, talking about it today and someone wrote the nerdiest conversation in Nets Twitter history. So I thought it'd be funny to bring up on the pod because I have no fun. Like, so out of the, I guess, in contested shots, guys are hitting 37% against Karis LeVert and he's fifth in the league in that. I don't really know. Yeah, no, good for LeVert. That's a, that's a, that's a good stat. I, uh, I didn't expect that. All right. 
that just about does it for this week's episode of Fireside Nets. Later today, we play the Denver Nuggets. On Wednesday, we have a huge matchup with our crosstown rival, the New York Knickerbockers, who are off to a much better start than many fans anticipated. Uh, under I'm looking Coach forward Tom, to that because I fucking hate the Knicks. Yeah, under Coach Tom Thibodeau, owner of the Dimsdale Dimmodome. That's true. Fairly odd. I, I fact-checked that one. Um, there's a chance I may be calling a game soon on ColorCast. I called the 76ers game last week on ColorCast where I do play-by-play the entire game on an application called ColorCast. It's an audio-only application. Check it out. Um, I will let you guys know when I'm calling my next game on the Fireside Nets Twitter. Um, Nick, any final words for the listeners before we sign off? Uh, Kyrie, I know you listen to our podcast, so uh, nothing against you, nothing against your personal beliefs, but uh, your team needs you, man. Uh, please come back. And I just want to say, Kyrie, um, if you're not ready to come back, that's totally okay. Uh, you know, if you wanted to take this whole season, the rest of the season off, I would understand is what it is. I'd love to have you on the court, but some things are bigger than basketball, Nick. And until you – You would be a terrible to- GM. Until you're able to realize that, then I don't think that um, I can really empathize with you as uh, a human being. Should we do it? All right, let's do it. Catch you on the fire side.